Hey everybody, it's Eric from Barrel and Hatchet, and thank you for checking out another episode of Hatchet Cast. And today I have a special guest with me. It is Josh from Disco32, and we are going to be talking about the world of communications and what you can do as a prepared citizen or as anybody who cares about gear and stuff like that to kind of delve into that world. Uh, Josh, thanks for joining me, and uh, how have you been? Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, yeah, I've been pretty good. Uh, big month for me. I'm going to have my first kid this month at the end of the month. So oh, what dang, dude. About that. Yeah. Uh, that's when you actually grow up, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I've been waiting for that to happen. <laughs> up on me. That's awesome, yeah. man. Yeah, I. Uh, that's that, having kids is awesome. I love being a parent. Um, yeah, I'm looking well, forward to it. Well, uh, so now we know that you're a dad. Give us a little bit of intro about yourself and about Disco 3.2 and uh, what you guys do. Yeah, so we're um, a small manufacturer of communications enablers. And basically, we uh, we make a lot of accessories that make military-grade uh, like headsets and uh, military you know ex- other accessories antennas and stuff work with civilian off-the-shelf radios so we call it cots radios but we do a lot of um widget making that makes you know your life a little less miserable when you're trying to put so many systems together <laughs> so we we make a lot of push to talks we make a lot of antennas um we make a lot of uh, just all sorts of little uh widgets i keep and i keep saying that i feel like that's going to be my catchphrase today widget uh, I would love to know what that means, widget. It sounds widget fancy. Like a thing. Yeah, it's just a thing. It's like a random thing that you make. It's like a, a stand-in for anything, really. Uh, but yeah, we make uh, a lot of little devices that just kind of make your life as a communicator, especially a tactical communicator, a little bit easier. Um, big one we pushed out last year was Discus, and that was like a Bluetooth enabler, which basically allows you to pull in your cell phone into your tactical headset. It's like your Peltors, your amps, whatever you can pull uh, Bluetooth into it. And it, it's pretty awesome to be able to like listen to uh, some music on a long infill or something like that. Uh, just, you know, a lot of guys that have served for a while, I think a lot more of them get that whole thing. where like, man, you're in the back of a truck for three hours and you just want to like listen to some music, maybe get a call from the wife or something um, and just take it. Uh, on your headset without having to get out of your kit. That was a big one for us. That was the first, I guess, from ground up product that we brought to market as a company. We didn't, you know, we were just assembling something else. We were, we built that from the ground up, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's something. <laughs> so I'm an Air Force TACP by trade and uh, mm. comm is, I love to shoot some good comm. So uh, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, as far as the, the, when you brought that up about having music in your headset, because these military grade headsets are not like Bluetooth capable. They're not like mm-hmm. they can't plug into a phone for our, our listeners that don't know. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like it's kind of like walkers if you get them, at, but they're like really, really high end walkers that only talk through radio stuff. So like, yeah, what we, we used to do is in the back of the MRAPs or Matt V's, somebody would like turn it to master switch on and zip tie a iPhone uh, <laughs> headphone so everybody yeah. could kind of listen to it. I went through several several iterations of truck and entertainment systems, I'd call them, on different deployments, <laughs> and I got a little bit more advanced the older oh, yeah. I got, and a little bit more tinkering I got done in the service. But yeah, we did that. We we started out with like a 
one of the ICS boxes, like on Vox with the headphone attached to the microphone. And then we started yeah. splicing cables, you know, and uh, we finally got something working. And then a lot of times when you think you had something good, you would like hop on some net and your music would be like on that, <laughs> you know, pumping out. Yeah. Trying to talk it's, it's, some command net or something. Yeah, dude. Someone's like, all right, who's playing Metallica on, uh, on the command net? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's hilarious. No, I, I mean, as, I mean, especially from as a vet and stuff like that, where that does resonate so well, um, as far as like, that is so valuable. <laughs> yeah. Having that is, capability. There's been some like second and third order stuff that's come along with it. That really was even novel applications to me. And I didn't realize, um, there was such a big issue with like law enforcement and interoperability between, uh, different facets of law enforcement you know if it'd be like city to county uh you know city to city a lot of these places have not got to the point where they're interoperable i think that they are going to be interoperable at some point because of like homeland security pushing initiatives but it really helps le like with initial coordinations because it's just like the easiest thing to pick up if there's something really big going down you pick up your phone you call your buddy on that next department over to start coordinating because you know you're the first guy there second guy there and you're the on-scene commander you've got to like make moves happen and now you know and everyone knows the quickest way to like defeat a, a threat is to get to it and defeat it um and so a lot of these guys are having to make these like tactical decisions at lower levels than they're used to especially in like the police department stuff and uh it's been great to hear stories uh like that about discus from from uh, Ellie saying, Hey, you know, I use this to coordinate on the scene or whatever. And I've, I've heard, I've heard a lot of crew chiefs in the, in the military using them. Uh, one guy hit me up and told me that he was using it to call uh, maintenance out on the pad. Cause like the bird was already running and they couldn't hear very well. You didn't want to take his stuff off. So he just clipped in and made a quick phone call out to maintenance and had some guy come out and that, that like tickled me. I thought that was great, but it's like with anything else, like, uh, you know, guys will find a way to figure out how to use it the way they want to. You know, they're tinkerers. We're a big, I think our whole community is full of a lot of tinkerers. And so we're just tinkering with everything just to get it perfect. And they're going to find a way to make it work in there, you know, operating yeah. environment. It's cool to hear those stories. That's like really rewarding. Biggest reasons I do it uh, is just because I know what it's like to be the staff sergeant or like, you know, the young guy who can't afford the you know, five, $600 headset, but has one at work really needs to get his radio to work. Supply doesn't have one, you know, they're probably all stolen or broken. Um, and so he really needs something that's like quality. And, you know, that's really why the company is there is we're trying to get that out to, to guys that need it at like an affordable price point for not like a piece of crap. You know, we could, could probably do a lot more, um, you know, in, improvements, you know, like over-engineering, you know, like doing stuff with our push-to-talks, uh, making them like, you know, dive-rated and stuff, but we don't because it would make it like cost-prohibitive to like our core audience, which is like just dudes. Like we're definitely, no one in like our, you know, from our backgrounds or uh, in the service industry at all. Like when I say service, like government service or whoever, they're you know, they're not going to be able to like, go out and buy, you know, thousands of dollars in communications equipment like that. Like they may invest over time, but we wanted to have stuff that guys can just like hit the easy button, get it, know it's going to work, uh, get the job done, get the job done over and over and over again. But, you know, maybe they're not 
diving with it. <laughs> You know? Well, that's because they're they're out busy diving it in Fayetteville, getting a ten percent uh, interest loan on a Mustang. You know, so yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're out there making making it rain for those used car dealers on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Brad Boulevard. Oh yeah, man, <laughs> dude. So you you kind of mentioned um, as far as communications, how important that is. Um, mm-hmm. What is what is the importance of communication mean to you? Well, I've said this a couple of times and I'll repeat points. Communication, just, it's a teamwork enabler. It allows you to work as teams. It's very hard to work as teams without radios. Um, you know, they've been attempting to work as teams in, in like, I guess, a, well, in any facet for a long, long time, starting out, you know, with different types of signals and flags, uh, moving into more advanced stuff, uh, like, as, as stuff progressed and finally in world war one getting into radios. And I think it was the Germans who put radios in vehicles. Um, and that's what enabled them to conduct, you know, com- combined arms maneuver warfare using the blitzkrieg um, and, and to do that coordination. You just cannot do that without a radio. So to me, it's just like making teams of teams happen. Um, and really it's just, it's as simple as that. Like, you know, it's kind of like you have, you know, you want to you want to write your name down. Well, I'll sell you a pen. You want to communicate across the field uh, without uh, giving up your position. Well, you're going to need a radio. You know, uh, you just it's a ha- you really need in the modern you know era. You really need to have a radio as a part of your your outfitting. Um, you need to be able to communicate. You're never going to be able to do anything by yourself. Like you know, the lone wolf mentality. That's just not real. You're going to need to band with a group of dudes and you're going to need to be able to communicate. Um, and that's what to me, radios are all about just enabling teamwork. Yeah. As, as far as the, the radio thing, I know that's something that, um, you know, a lot of folks get into, um, and you know, a lot of folks also don't understand, um, how one also just the environment of how to communicate effectively. Cause mm-hmm. that's, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. You can talk, but how to communicate yeah. effectively. So what are some things that you you know of and some techniques that you would use to communicate effectively to get the most amount of information across without the minute, the you know, taking up all that bandwidth? Yeah, well, one of the, the things that the service does is they use a lot of brevity codes. And I'll tell you who's really good at it. Um, and, I, I'm, you know, same points I like to bring up all the time, fighter pilots. Fighter pilots are epic at it. And I, one of the reasons why I think fighter pilots are so good at being on the radio is because they're kind of held to a standard because they have to watch gun tapes. So when they go bit their AAR is like watching, you know, and I watch top gun, you know, 3d hologram, they're playing back the gun tape. Uh, and really all of his boys, you know, his commander, his wingman is like, Hey, you got to tighten it up. Like, you know, you have to be able to use these brevity codes. And they use a lot, a lot of brevity codes. And those brevity codes are actually like, uh, across the force supposed to be the same. Uh, so like, for instance, there's one that's like music on music on. It means like you're using some type of electronic countermeasure, you know, like tally, you know, what tally is, you know, uh, there's a whole bunch of them that are just super, uh, common and they mean certain exact things. Um, and that's, what's makes it very clear and concise. You know, it's not just like, saying oh i see you know i see them over there when you say tally that means one specific thing you know like i got it 
Um, when you say visual, you know, it means like a specific thing they got it. And so it really just cuts that down. And, and really the biggest way to, to kind of get better at it is just to do it a lot, just to get on the radio and do it. Um, and you can, um, you know, just get with a group of friends. I don't, I'm not against ham clubs at all. A lot of guys I've heard a lot of, you know, guys talking smack against, I think that's like one of the best ways to get some operational experience on the radio. If you're not in the service, it's hard if you're not in the service, cause you're not going to the field for a week using the radio constantly. Um, so, you know, these ham guys, every Sunday they get together and they're just building their uh, kit bag full of all this operational experience on the radio different atmospherics, different, all sorts of stuff. And they're learning more and more. Um, so there's some, there's some epic uh, amount of uh, knowledge in that ham community. Um, it's a little different mindset, you know, than a tactical communicator. You know, a tactical communicator can see a lot of gray areas and things. He can see some advantages and disadvantages, and he's got to worry about that stuff. A ham operator is looking for the perfect situation. He's trying to tune his stuff, you know, perfectly. He's trying to make the longest HF shot. He's trying to uh, use the lowest amount of power, go the furthest, you know, make the perfect antenna in his yard. As a tactical communicator, you know, we just kind of kind of make it happen. We have to like, so there's a lot of gray area on the tactical side where you have to figure out what's an advantage and disadvantage and you have to make your own decision, like what you're going to do to get the job done. So definitely a good, um, a good place to go is a local ham club for a guy to get some OE uh, operational experience uh, on the outside of the LE or military. Mm, yeah, that's something I know that uh, we had a, a buddy of ours in the community that went out and got his ham license, but he's like, <clears throat> he's like, it's a lot of information, man. Like you can't just go in at half halfway. You got to go in because it's a lot of studying. Yeah. Some of the, the, the initial testing, that's not that bad. It really isn't that bad. Like, you could you could like literally spend the night really just hammering down on you and using some of the study guys that are out there um, and pass it. You know, the, some of the other ones there as as you progress and you get opened up more bands. Technically, it gets a little bit harder um, because it's a little bit more technical. Um, it's there's a little bit more like regulation and stuff thrown in there. But I don't think it's not doable by anyone. I think anyone could absolutely do it. Um, and if you're thinking, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about it, just go for it. Uh, just do it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to ever get on there and talk to anybody, but you can, if you want to, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as the, you know, going on the ham radio and kind of getting that experience, like going back to the brevity portion, um, Mm -hmm. in my, I mean, we use a lot of brevity as well and and we Mm -hmm. try to mirror the pilots. Um, but it's, yeah, Mm -hmm. you're exactly right. They would record us. Hey, why'd you say this word versus that? Why did you say it this many sentences versus this? It took you this long to put out a transmission. And, yeah, um, right. all of that leaves a signature. So like signatures mean it leaves an area or trace so I can be spotted or whatever. So kind of in a tactical environment, you know, or even under stress, like, Hey man, I just need you to tell me the most amount of stuff right now. Cause I don't yeah. have time to listen to everything you got to say. Stress is the big one. And I mean, I will not like, I cannot overemphasize how much stress, like, man, when I was a, a young man, I used to always get taught, you know, had a really, really awesome platoon sergeant once, and his name was uh, Grieve, Sergeant First Class Grieve, and he would always tell me that, like, you would go back to your lowest common denominator of training, like, you will always go back to, like, this low thing, and he was one of these guys that had 
he was in the 101st in Afghanistan and that part of my career that was like very rare to run into still as like one of these guys that had like legitimately been in some of the first forces over there and uh he filled my head with a ton of knowledge but one of the things was like this lowest common that you're going to go back to this lowest level man and it wasn't until i was like in my first firefight and i literally was just going back right to the lowest level um because i was so overwhelmed with everything going on you know i was already a leader by this point so i had a lot of soldiers to worry about <clears throat> rounds start flying and uh i really did i went right back to like that lowest thing but man everybody did and I was super proud of the boys that day. It was pretty, can I cuss on here? It's pretty fucking dope. Uh, and my boys are like getting after it. Uh, and <clears throat> we were, we were like pinned down for a minute, but my machine gunners got like right on it. A guy named Arn was throwing 240 rounds like right over the top <clears throat> of the lead element, uh, almost in like a plunging fire, uh, just to get some suppression down so we can enable us to maneuver and get into some get down into a wadi but yeah i went back to that lowest common thing and on the radio i did the same thing you know i was just going back to these very simple stuff and you start like you start thinking about it too much and you start getting that like combat stutter i don't know how you like that that push to think yeah yeah so you just gotta always always say like think twice act once um and get on there and another ttp i would always i'd ran dual comms a lot um one of the radios that i used a bunch was the dtcs radio in mm. afghanistan which is an iridium based radio for it was supposed to be like the solution to on the move satcom over there and we could give it to like the local forces as well i forget how the crypto worked in it but it got to fill some weird way and um anyways uh, i would run that on one side and i'd run it to like internal normally on the other have like 10 switch positions that I had the same every time, you know, PL, commander, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, anyways, I would always put my like least important net on my non-firing side. So like I knew when I took like my hand off the weapon and I went up to touch it with my trigger, you know, with my strong hand, I knew that like I meant it. <laughs> I wouldn't take it if I, I could scream to the on my internal net and say whatever I wanted, but like if it was going out, I always kept that on my like my strong side. That's just a little TTP, <clears throat> which like a tactic technique or procedures with a TTP. So I'm I'm like terrible with acronyms. I'm That's like, fine. Just send them out. Listening. I'll help you out with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that we going back to like that brevity code thing. <clears throat> It goes, uh, it all fits into like a common operating language, which is like common throughout all of NATO, basically. But it's it's actually very cool when you can look at a map, <clears throat> you can draw a bunch of symbols and like a commander from, you know, France that doesn't speak a lick of English can look at that with those symbols. And I look at it, the symbols on there, and it means the same exact thing to both of us. The symbols have very specific uh meanings that you know it's very specific stuff these graphic control measures and uh i always thought that's cool too and that goes into another big part of comms and just communicating in general it's like interoperability making sure all of your stuff can work with other groups of like-minded individuals yeah and that's a problem on the commercial side for sure that doesn't really plague the military as much interoperability which basically means you know you want to make sure that all of your accessories, all of everything, your batteries and everything are all interoperable amongst 
your common, uh, you know, your team, whatever team that might be, you want to make sure that you can swap things with them, talk to them, use their equipment. It's the same of anything uh, with war fighting, you know, caliber, yeah, uh, weapons, you know, common stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a big part. And that's a big headache for uh, a lot of guys getting into comms because they don't, I don't think that they have like a good understanding of somehow some of this interoperability and on the military side, just because a plug looks like it can plug in doesn't necessarily mean that it is working with the equipment that you're trying to plug it into. There's just like standard plug types, which are different than wiring types. There's all sorts of stuff to get guys confused. Yeah, that's, um, I think probably the most interoperable radio on the civilian side is probably the Bayo thing. It's a, it's the most widely prolific. Yeah. Um, you know, I would say like it, it has all the, has a lot of big features that you would want. You want to be able to key in a frequency, mm. you know, that's like one of the first things that you should look at if you're buying a radio for like being prepared in any way you want to be able to change the frequency without a computer. Yeah. Like I cannot overemphasize that. That's like more important than like 99% of the other crap you need to be able to like, hand jam a frequency in. Um, yeah. And I typically, even with like embedder, <clears throat> we would lock out like most of the channels. We had a set interoperable plan between all of the radios. They were all the same. So if I picked up a guy's radio, I knew which switch position to move it to, and it would go to where it was supposed to. Um, we would always leave one channel that was a scratch pad. Mm. So like if, if whoever, like, for instance, that day we're in a firefight, uh, that, that first big one, uh, we couldn't get comms. We couldn't get reachback comms. Right. It was a problem. And I knew it was kind of a problem because things were progressing and like, I didn't hear anything about like rotary coming on or I didn't hear anything like that. And I was like, okay. Um, then you hear bacon, which is like every trans. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it stands for like a battle air command node. Bacon, something command node, battle mm-hmm. command node. I don't think there's an A, but it's basically like a Learjet. <laughs> Aviator's going to shoot me for that. I don't know if it's yeah. a Learjet, but it's like a golf string. You know, it's something yeah. I will never ride in. Yeah. Uh, a lot of comms equipment on it. They hop right on and say, hey, this is Bacon. Do you need me to like retransmit mm-hmm. interoperability? Yeah. They're able to hop on uh, and talk to us. I mean, in the service, there's a whole other side of interoperability, and that goes with crypto. You know, that goes with your encryption. Yeah. A lot of guys are really interested in encryption on the civilian side, and that's great, man. You should, like, you know, lowest power possible, use encryption if you got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, on the military side, you know, they don't realize that it's not just, like, one thing we put in and it stays there. Yeah. Like, the crypto rolls constantly. changes all the time. changes for a whole bunch of different reasons. And what a lot of younger like people in the service don't realize, like it might change for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like they might roll over everything. Yeah. So like uh, an A10 coming in, or not an A10, an F18 coming off a carrier is going to have the same crypto as I've got, and we might have just changed it like six hours ago. Right. And the logistics behind that are like wild. <laughs> you know, if you yeah. think about it, it's 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 mind blowing almost. Yeah how much it's synced up. Um, yeah, you've got to, 
you know, everything, you have to have the same keys on all of those radios. And like, the, you know, you can think they just changed. Like, oh, we just did a rollover like six hours of <laughs> talking to this, uh, you know, this guy on station that came from a, 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 uh, a carrier. Like sometimes in Afghanistan, we'd get bone from Diego. Yeah. You know, fly it from Diego Garcia. A bone's like a B-1 bomber. It's a big strategic bomber mm-hmm. and uh sometimes it would you know they flew them out of diego garcia which is this little island in the indian ocean if you go south from the tip of india and go east from like somewhere in somalia you'll run into it somewhere out in the middle of the ocean yeah um but yeah it's just that's wild but I, the encryption stuff i would you know going back to what guys should look for yeah i mean if you radio with the keypad if you wanted to, if you wanted to start off with basic encryption, and you've got a little group of buddies, mm-hmm. probably one of the hardest yeah. ones to break in terms of encryption, and the most simple is just make your own brevity, like <laughs> make and develop your own brevity, and <clears throat> that'd be super hard starting yeah. off. Yeah, brevity codes, um, you know, that would, you know, that could throw somebody off for for a second. Yeah. You know, um, I think that. The safe bet there is just if you're going to have nothing is to operate the lowest power possible. Mm. Um, and you want to kind of try to blend in with something called like the noise floor. So it's just like natural RF everywhere. And, um, a lot of great Instagram posts and stuff about this that are out there. So I won't get like into the weeds about it. But basically, you just want your signal to like not look like something someone would like be able just to pick up really easy, especially uh, like a non-trained guy, you know, mm. you want to be able to fall in the noise floor. Um, and the closer you get to an adversary, it's harder. Um, but you definitely always want to remember like the golden rule, like lowest power possible. Yeah. Uh, what does that do? Know, you can change. How do you, so for example, you said lowest power. How do I do that? Like, do I mm-hmm. adjust the settings and then do I yeah, just you would adjust transmit it. it's for usually, a small period of time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's usually labeled in like wattage for handheld radios mm-hmm. uh, all the way up to like, you know, for most radios. And um, you just want to get that down as low as possible. You can change it. You know, usually some radios will say like uh, high, medium, low. And in your book, it'll tell you like what that equates to. And low is you know, somewhere usually between point one on the embitter to like point five on like a civilian right. radio watts. And you want to just keep that as low as possible because like that uh, power is a sig is a uh, it's a signature like you talked about like signature management before. Mm. Every time you press that push to talk, it's like shooting a tracer straight up in the air. Mm. And you got to decide whether you it's okay to shoot the 50 up in the air or to shoot the 22, you know, that's kind of on you. It's going up. As soon as you press it, it's going up. Now, the other thing you have to look at too, is like, you don't got to press it. Right. You don't have to transmit. Um, I mean, and that goes a lot to rehearsals and things like that. Mm. Um, but you can have just one like net controller transmitting and giving out information and have, you know, certain conditions where it's okay for you to break that radio silence um, and that goes into signature management as well. Um, a lot of, you know, I see it, I, I, I read just like everyone else on this podcast. Like I scroll the gram. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking on Twitter for cool photo. You know, I'm looking for stuff overseas, stuff going on in Ukraine everywhere. And I see these <clears throat> soldiers with, so you see a lot of them with AO fangs and a lot of guys will like talk a lot of smack about them, but 
who's to say that's not just like a Joe who's just listening. Mm. Yeah. You can always listen. Be like, yeah, you can always listen. You don't have to press it. And it's real easy to remove a lot of those push to talk functions. You'd like just break it open and like pull the stuff. So it's like physically impossible for you to have like a, an ND, I guess it would be a negligent and negligent, negligent transmission. transmission. <laughs> that might be a good sticker. Yeah. That'd be a good t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. But you know, they can do the, the, the it's kind of like when I was talking about the discus earlier, where guys just come up with novel ways, guys are going to come up with novel ways to use all of this stuff. Um, in ways that, kind of enable them to get overmatch on, you know, whatever they're going up against, whatever that would be. Right. Yeah. They're going to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> when you, when you're talking about, you know, it's, it, I know the world of radios, it's so, um, improv, improvised ingenuity that can makes, I mean, <laughs> you know, if you want to get into super infra, improvised ingenuity, I mean, talking like HF shooting long <clears throat> communications, um, so yeah. can you can you break down the different types of categories like FM versus AM and HF? Just a real quick yeah. brief, like mm-hmm. what's the difference? Yeah, so the FM and AM, this is the types of modulation. So it's an amplitude modulation, a frequency modulation. It just means the way the the wave is modulating. Um, the HF, that's a part of the spectrum. So that's a different part of frequency. So that's how uh, you know. It'd be kind of hard to explain to a show, but that's just how long these waves are that are coming out right. here when you when you transmit. That's like the uh, signature that you're putting off into the atmosphere, the size of them. Um, HF. A lot of guys, you know, mention HF because uh, it is kind of like black magic to a lot of guys. Mm. Um, but it's a really robust part of the spectrum, and it just so happens that our atmosphere kind of it, it allows us to use uh, some of those lower frequencies. Um, beyond line of sight, which is a huge, huge, huge deal. Right. Uh, most radio fre- frequencies are just going to like hit the atmosphere and it's going to zing right out in the space at, you know, the speed of light. Um, but HF has a, uh, the properties that cause it to bend back down towards the earth. If it hits the atmosphere or the ionosphere specifically at certain angles and at certain parts of the day, the ionosphere changes day and night. It's constantly changing. It's a part, it's space weather. Um, and uh, it allows those radio waves to keep going, you know, bouncing, keep keep traveling in the sphere rather than exiting. And that's how we, you know, it's like in World War II and, and now even, uh, but when in World War II and you see, you know, uh, a lot of times ships, <clears throat> they would have huge HF antennas. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of aircraft, huge HF antennas, because that's just how they were, uh, they had to communicate. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's, um, I know that I know for us, we were like talking to, you know, we try out different things and different types of wires and, and different, mm-hmm. uh, and we'd be hitting out squadrons over in Europe and, and Asia and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's pretty wild. <clears throat> yeah. On a good day and you get the good weather and good effect. You can go a long, long, long way. Um, we would sometimes do HF shots from Fort Lewis to Fort Bragg. Yeah. Which, uh, when I was up in Fort Lewis, uh, I was a team leader, a team sergeant for a six-man LARS team. Mm. Um, and so we were really into comms, and we used to mess around with it all the time. We always had the radios with us, and we would just play, you know, we would get on a lot of the handbands. We'd try to make real long contacts. Um, we would 
talk to other units uh, in the States. We do coordinations, you know, just with buddies and other units. I like, hit them up on the phone and say, hey, can you get your guys out tomorrow around the summer? And I try to do some shots and send some traffic over tap chat. Yeah. Yeah. To each other. But yeah. Um, and then talking, you know, other parts of the spectrum. So we had HF will go right. You have then VHF, mm-hmm. which is like a middle ground between UHF and HF. That's where a lot of your air traffic is going to be in a lot of your air to ground coordinations. That's where uh, the majority of the Singar's band is, but some of it <clears throat> barely nicks HF. Um, and that is an interoperability thing. So HF radios can talk to uh, radios on the Singar's band. That's why I like the PRC 150 goes up to 50 megahertz. It's so that it can talk to radios on the uh singar's band which is 30 to 88 megahertz mm. um and then you have uh above that you have uhf and that's like your uh a hand there's some hand bands in the upper four, 400 megahertz part there's all sorts of stuff in that uh part of the band and it continues to go up and um as you go lower on the band so left towards hf uh the types of antennas get bigger right and as you go right the antennas get smaller so the higher the frequency typically the smaller the antenna the lower the frequency the longer the antenna is going to be with some exceptions you know there's lots there's exceptions out there to everything uh different antenna construction and stuff and and tech but for the most part that's how it goes for the um oh good sorry no, go ahead. So kind of just real quick on antennas, how important mm-hmm. is the antenna to my radio? You know, like I know a lot of folks, you know, they get the Beofang, they just got it, they're excited, they're trying to figure out mm-hmm. what to do next. And it's like, okay, should mm-hmm. I use this antenna I have here? I see this one that's a military style looking antenna, but I don't know if yeah. it's good or not versus like you guys have well, really high speed antennas. Yeah. When you get into the military stuff, you start getting back into, you know, going back to the beginning of podcast, I talked about like that tactical gray area mm-hmm. where you're, you're trying to find the best of a ton of worlds. Right. And that's really what a lot of these military antennas are like super broadband. So like they cover like a huge swath of the spectrum and they're not really good specifically at any of it, but yeah. they're okay at all of it. Right. Right. With a, uh, you know, like a purpose built, you know, frequency specific antenna, it's going to be really, really good at that one thing, but just like crap at all the rest of the stuff. Right. Um, receiving, you know, transmitting is like where it's real, the real juices with uh, antennas. Um, and that's, that's where you have to have that give and take from that like tactical world, you know, like that big thing for us is interoperability. Like I got to be able to talk to all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be able to also maintain like a low signature. This thing's got to like be robust you know, and you start knocking out all of this, uh, this perfect world stuff. You, you get to a lot of these like antennas that we have, like the tried and true, you know, big, long blade antennas, super broadband, um, the, the body whips like RV mass. <clears throat> uh, and there's a company, I want to get this company cattail antennas is a Marine. I've never met him, yeah. but he's doing it too. And it's super awesome to see him. He's making antennas. I see a lot of guys with his antennas. Um, they, uh, those are like that tactical gray area, right? Like your, that antenna is not perfect, but like we used it because I didn't, uh, particularly me, I didn't want a blade in my face every time I had my nods on, turn my head and my nods hit it like yeah. over and over and over again. Oh yeah. You know, and over time that, 
And those blades that go in like this in your face, wobbling back and forth, what it does is they become distractions. So things moving in that part of your, uh, your periphery, you don't notice them as much because you've had this thing moving the entire time. That's why you see a lot of guys, you know, like they'll fold them down a bunch because they're just trying to get them out of the way. Yeah, especially your sling. They, yeah, like these guys know that it's not going to be as good if it's like that. You know, that, you know, like I read, because like I read all these columns stuff for young guys, like, oh, you should always do this. So they know it's not as good, but they're in that gray area. Like they're, they're accepting that risk in order for something to be better. Right. Something else. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, <clears throat> that's the big difference between military and civilian antennas or ham, you know, some of the ham antennas and stuff is just like these, these things are like good at a bunch of stuff, I guess. Not great at one thing in particular where the civilian side antennas, you have, it's really great at like four or five megahertz of spectrum, but it really craps out. Yeah. Move pretty drastically. Hmm. What would you recommend <laughs> if you saw like, Hey, you had a group of friends, like at say it was 10 of you guys and you guys wanted to make sure mm-hmm. like, Hey, within our little community group, what type of radio should we have one for inner group talk? Or if one of us gets separated and we, you know, we need to reach out to you, what, what is yeah. something that you would set up for someone who's looking for preparedness? Well, I would look at, I'm like, I won't give specifics, but what I'll do is I'll give like a set of capabilities that you should look for. Right. Um, you should, the keypad is like, for me, that's like right up there. Number one, you've got to be able to like on the fly, change your frequency. That doesn't have a keypad. You should just like shit can that radio immediately. Yeah, give it to a guy at Walmart that's coordinating inside of Walmart. Um, the second thing I would look for is like a changeable battery. Like you want to have the capability to change the battery. You have to have power. You're going to run out of power. Like it is a big problem. Uh, power is a huge issue. Uh, where are you going to get that power from? So you want to have like a couple batteries to get you through, you know, whatever you think that duration is going to be before you get, a new battery if that's like a 72 hour operation a 48 hour operation you know, we were really spoiled in the gy because it would be like 12 hour operation you know or batteries are in the truck um when i was in court we were not spoiled and i carried a shit ton of 55 <laughs> which are these big brick batteries uh they're some of the first lithium ion batteries and those suckers are huge and we used to carry a lot of them uh but I would go for that, you know, then I would, uh, so you got battery, you got keypad. All right. Next thing you're going to want to look at is what kind of accessories can I use with this radio accessories easily available? You know, you, it's not the best scenario to be running around with your hands with a radio in it. Um, you know, it's not world war two with the guy with the radio and the pistol, little green guy. Oh yeah. Um, you've got to be able to communicate and whatever, However you do that, there's a lot of options. There's like speaker mics, which are like the trucker mics on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. I think those are great. Uh, one good thing about those <clears throat> is that if you get, if you become a casualty or if you need to hand off comms to somebody really quick, it's really easy to hand that off to somebody and let them do their thing and hand it back to you. Yeah. Um, I, there's, uh, I would look at so accessories, you know, the accessory port, what kind of port is this thing using? Uh, the the one that is kind of like the cheapest that I think is the most robust is the one that the Beofeng UV9R has on it. It's like a side port. It's somewhat waterproof. It's a little bit more robust than like the Kenwood or the Kenwood two pin connectors that everyone is is used to seeing. It's it's more robust and it's gonna it's not gonna have the issues of like bending and stuff like that. Right. 
Um, and then you can look at, you know, uh, antenna stuff. So there's a couple of different reasons why you might want to be able to take your antenna off. Um, but some like very, um, real ones are, you may want to be run an antenna, like out of a structure or something, or mm. you may want to raise an antenna higher and you want to use some, like, uh, some cable, some coaxial cable in between to, to move your antenna somewhere. Um, you know, uh, altitude or like height above um, uh, ground level is called like the poor man's game. Mm. Like the higher you go with the line of sight antenna, like the longer you're going to be able to transmit further. You're going to be able to transmit even like a foot or two, even inches sometimes can make a difference. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I mean, that's, that's really it. The, then the last, I didn't, the last but not least is you want to make sure um, that you can communicate uh, like uh, uh, on a, a couple different areas of the spectrum. So a lot of these radios like dual bands, so they have like a band down, I want to say it's like in 140-ish area. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but the high band's like in the 440-ish area. Um, and 460, 470. I thought I'd get all confused, uh, but it's in the 400s. So it's two different parts of the spectrum that you can talk on. Uh, and, you know, what you got to do is you have to get out in your area and you got to mess and see which works the best. Because you may, in your area, you know, like 150 may not, 150 megahertz might not work as well as like up in the 440s or 460s. Uh, you, different parts of the spectrum have different properties depending on, you know, like, the soil composition, the current weather, whether, what are the rocks in the area made out of? Is there a lot of buildings? Not a lot of buildings. Um, so that's something that you'll have to play around with, but those are, that's that, those are the bare minimums that I would look at um, with the radio. Encryption is a plus digital is a plus, but that stuff is absolutely not like a, a game. It's not like a, a end game. Right. You know, there's ways to work around that to mitigate this lack of capability. Um, but you just have to use a little bit of like tradecraft, a little bit of trickery mm. to make sure you're not shooting a 50 cal up in the air. Right. You know. No, that makes sense. And I know that's something that, um, you know, one of the questions that we get a lot, you know, where we're at in Florida is just asking about communications and what do I get? Mm -hmm. How do I start out? And I think mm -hmm. obviously a lot of people will just start off by getting a Beofang, but start having that desire to want to learn more. And I think having yeah. the accessory backup for that system is super important for a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, I mean, we, we push a lot of those products um, and we're happy to help all those guys. And I mean, there's some actually some like, there's some high performing radios that have that accessory port. Um, it's just not as robust as, as some of the other ones. Um, but yeah, I would, if, if, if it was my advice to anyone, I would just say, Hey, start doing it. Start learning now, Right. you know, get in, get after it. If you're pro if you, if you know, I wouldn't break the bank, um, going and getting a super expensive radio right out of the house. You know, you want to like learn some basics. You want to see, is, is it even for you? Are you into it? And then once you start learning the basics, like on that, that cheaper transceiver radio, um, it'll just be like a gateway drug and lead you into more, more stuff, powerful systems. <laughs> yeah. What is the, um, so if I wanted to, I was, I've seen, I think there was one company that, that makes them, they'd make them in a Pelican case, but it's, uh, it, mm. it bounces the yeah. signal on to go further. What is that? Yeah. 
So uh, Mojave Repeater makes a, a repeater. Basically, it re- there's a lot of repeaters out there. Mojave is the one that I'm like familiar with. Um, but basically what it's going to do is um, it's going to allow you to like uh, retransmit your signal further. Um, so you can, you can use repeaters in a lot of novel ways, um, especially if you're looking at it from like a tactical perspective. Um, but uh, the main reason is you're going to extend your range. So this is like a device that allows you to extend the range of your radio. So especially if you're, uh, if you're like, limited by terrain you know terrain's a big issue getting through mountains and stuff like that repeaters can be like very 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 important i climbed several gigantic you know i would call them mountains you know other people might not say that that's something in afghanistan yeah uh but to put up retrans you know just like for us uh, a repeater so that we had an operation going on in a valley like we can get that out and back mm-hmm. to our command nets and fires nets and everything so <clears throat> yeah it's a, a, a really cool product you can you can ninja a lot of solutions out of that thing by just kind of thinking outside the box a little bit with it hmm. speaking of the you know kind of those accessories that would be really cool to have as as part of uh, on a tactical level for the prepared citizen or or there's the regular <laughs> guy what what are some good you know, should a son, should someone go jump into like a headset? I know that those are quite expensive. Um, what are your thoughts on if that? They, so, yeah. So modern military heads, I just made a post about this actually. Good. You know, they're, they're literally, it's like putting nods on your eyes that gives you like sensory overmatch at nighttime. It's literally the same thing for your ears. I mean, the stuff they're doing with this, this um, with that audible, it just, it's, it's amazing. The amount of like amplification, uh, situational awareness that you can get in some of these modern headsets. Um, you know, I was doing a little experiment where I live, <clears throat> I live fairly close to Bragg and one of the RAS is like the restricted overflight zones for UAS is really close to my house. They're always flying like gray Eagle shadow. A lot of these, uh, UA, UAS. So people don't know what those are. Those are just like UAVs that the conventional army has. Yeah. Drones. And, uh, drones. Yeah. So in a, in a lot of, you know, flying them pretty much 24 seven getting training. And, uh, when you put modern military, uh, those headsets on and like turn on that noise, amp, you can hear it. Wow. Like it's telling you that there's a, there's a drone there. And then I took out my Mavic, <clears throat> flew it around a little bit in that thing, man, you could hear that sucker coming. So I think it provides you like a, especially in a fixed position. Right. Um, when you're like in a secure and you're in security, uh, it gives you like a real big advantage. It's some of the older headsets. It was kind of hard to patrol with them on. So like when up in Lurse, we did a lot of, you know, small patrols, six man team movements, long, long movements. And it, you would just hear so much like the ground cracking, you know, like yeah. everything, it would just become like, it would too much, too much newer versions. They've changed that completely. There's different, you know, contact six and above has these different, uh, mission profiles. You can change it to different kind of scenarios like patrolling vehicle, OP, uh, con- uh amps to do it automatically just change based off what's going on around you. Mm. Um, and it really does, uh, give you like a sensory overmatch. And that's what the, and, and the ear pro like rating. So that the ear pro rating 
and uh, like RF shielding and engineering that goes on to like make sure that like they're going to work with around all sorts of crazy RF um, is what sets it apart from just like a clone. Like, right. You know, like a, I wouldn't waste my money on a knockoff set of ear pro like communications enabled ear pro. Like uh, it's just not worth it. You, you save like two or three times the amount you'd spend on that and get something that's like quality. Even if it's just like baseline, it's going to be so much better. Yeah. Uh, last so much longer. Uh, but yeah, that's a, you know, headset's a good accessory speaker mics. You can't overstate the speaker mic. It's a real good accessory, uh, for a radio. I mean, if that was like my bare minimum, that's what I would use as a speaker mic. Right. What if, uh, I, I know that the, a lot of military, Oh, sorry. Good. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're good. Uh, so I know that a lot of the military guys like have like leftover hand mics and stuff like that, and and stuff from mill time, like that mm-hmm. weird six pin or yeah. five pin uh, adapter or a connection. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you can use to mm-hmm. adapt that to a Beofang or something of that nature, so you can kind of still use that old yeah. stuff? Yeah, we make some accessories um, that make that happen. Where, where a lot of guys run into like frustration is they don't. Uh, there's different microphone types out there. All the military stuff is going to use a dynamic microphone and a dynamic microphone is just, uh, it's like a little membrane. It vibrates. So the power that your voice is producing against the microphone is what's driving that voice. So, right. Um, military radios are used to this low impedance. It's called, um, the commercial commercial radios aren't They're They're used to getting something much higher. So that's why you have to get that, you know, notorious amp. Hmm. Everybody calls it an amplifier, but really it's just, it's changing the speaker's impedance yeah. or the microphone's impedance before it gets to the uh, transceiver. Uh, that could be frustrating for guys trying to adapt that stuff, um, especially when they're trying to use like old hand mics, um, like H250 hand mics. Yeah. But we had that, but a lot of that stuff on the website we've got kind of nailed down. Uh, we've got some solutions to use some of that old stuff. I would just caution guys, you know, like, it seems like yesterday I was running and gunning. Time's, time's going on. So, you know, like contact threes can be almost 20 years old now. Yeah. To me, that's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. But, you know, when guys buy this stuff like secondhand and stuff, they really need to keep that in mind. Like some of the stuff was used and abused. Like some of that stuff might have been like theater provided equipment for like six rotations and some dude finally snagged it and brought it home. Yeah. So just be careful with what you get. There's not too many dudes out there repairing like headsets and stuff anymore. I don't, <clears throat> I don't know anyone personally um, that does it in the states. Um, but just be careful, you know. Buyer beware with yeah. that stuff. Hmm. It's like buying reloaded <laughs> ammo. Yeah, kind yeah, kind of like that. You know, you just get it, and it goes into that same thing where the plug looks like it should work. It should just plug in and work, right? And then you plug it in, and you're like, God damn. <laughs> you know, emailing disco three two at one in the morning yeah yeah exactly yeah. so oh <laughs> uh, gosh I, you know it's funny as i had uh when i i so you know i was obviously i'm used to military radios and stuff like that and so when i got into the civilian radios i was like man i have no idea where to start all this looks like witchcraft to me um and i yeah. talked to one of the radio maintenance guys at the unit he's like yeah man mm. you know he was super smart on that and he was able to help me so like you know sometimes having somebody that you know locally is is a good resource um and also yeah. like you said that ham club 
is probably a great yeah, there, and there's a lot of de- i mean guys would probably be surprised there's a lot of like like-minded individuals and that stuff a lot of guys are just trying to be prepared yeah. guys that like believe in community that are just like really and trying to come up with like a worthwhile hobby and a lot of that uh a lot of those ham operators like, they're getting older like the core community of them wow and so it's a good time for a lot of younger people to kind of step up into that and take it over and make it what they want, you know? And if there was a lot more young people involved, I think that you would see a lot more push on opening up different types of communication for hams, you know, different modes, different digital modes. They have a hard time because they're like constrained in by the FCC and a lot of stuff. Right. What they're allowed to do, but more young guys get into it, introduce more technology into it. Mm. I think you'd see some, you know, more changes and, Mm-hmm. Where do you see, um, you know, in far as like the community, as far as the younger generation, because I feel like a lot more people are getting into specifically the Beofang because of this whole tactical movement that's now happening, yeah. it feels like, you know, um, mm-hmm. if I was to graduate from a Beofang, what would be something that I would look at going to next? start looking into a radio that has both digital and analog and some encryption. Um, still some of those core, you know, capes of the, the, the Beofang you want, uh, you always want a keypad, you know, you want, uh, to make sure you can put an intent, take move, remove, change the antenna type. You want to make sure batteries are changeable, but something with digital analog, uh, and uh encryption and you know on that <clears throat> it runs on this interoperability issues on the digital side because there's you know competing waveforms like p25 and dmr um so if you've got to make sure that all of your bros are going to be using the same type of digital waveform um and i would say <clears throat> dmr is probably a little bit more widely proliferated and easier to to for people to deal with than p25 a lot of the motorola stuff you have to start getting in aftermarket, you know, you have to get in like cracked software and stuff like that. And some dudes just don't have like the time for that or the patience. Right. There are companies that'll like hook it up. Um, you know, like Bush comms is one that I know of that, uh, they I think they have a pretty good reputation. I uh, putting out some solid like Motorola stuff, hmm. uh, from like the secondhand market, hmm. but that's the thing you have to worry about. But yeah, I would go for digital analog and some type of encryption, you know, of, of, there's all sorts of different ways to like scramble up your signal. Um, anything is better than nothing. Even if there's like a voice scramblers, you know, some of those radios have like a voice scrambler. That's better than nothing. Right. Um, but always remember the golden rule, you know, rules, lowest power possible. Uh, and, you know, keep your transmissions uh, short. Hmm. Yeah. I think, um, I think that it, that actually is good advice. Cause I, you know, I've even been interested, like, man, I don't, I just don't know where to go. So kind of finding that, that path of going in the digital and the analog way, um, is a good direction. Um, yeah. Cause digital can get a little bit more complicated cause you get like talk groups and stuff and it gets, you know, the, the step up into it is a little bit more than just like jamming and a frequency and right. with it, you know, there's some other configuration. I think that the time that you graduate into that, you know, you're familiar with this, uh, whatever radio it is you're starting out with, you know, Beofing esque. Mm. Um, you then can graduate once you gain the, you know, oh, uh, like experience on that particular system to just general, you know, gradually go into the other system. So you're not like breaking the bank because you can spend as much as you want on radios. 
there are a lot of people that will like take your money for a really high end radio. But if you don't know how to use it, like what's it? You yeah. Know, it's a brick. Yeah. No. Like carrying like extra weight. Yeah. You know, you can't talk to your buddies, you know, so what? Um, you got to make sure you have that interoperability. Uh, it's a big, big part of it. Yeah. With the most amount of people, you know, and that's where the, the bad thing is, is like really interoperable. You know, it's, right. And it's, it's cheap. Walkie talkie. It's cheap too. Yeah. And it's cheap. You can, you can buy like 10 of them, you know? Yeah. I've bought like 10 at a time before. I've broke a bunch of them. Um, you know, I've messed with them. I've, I've put some of them like in our strain relief testers and stuff and seen how long it would take me to break them. Right. And they, you can break it, but you can also have like five of them. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Do you, do you think, uh, I was just, I was actually just thinking about this. I saw an Instagram post of a, it was a history post of an old World War II vet that was typing out Morse code sentences. And uh, it was mm -hmm. just nuts to see how fast he was moving. But do you think because it's so simple that it would also be a good form of communicating kind of covertly um, because it's kind of yeah, a lost art? Morse is, yeah. Morse is kind of cool. Uh, you could definitely like come up with like a simple way to like encode, you know, morse uh and just a, you know a simple like like a one-time pad or something like that with your buddies and do morse it's just uh one of the cool things about morse now is like you can hook your phone into a radio and just have it morse out as fast as possible oh. so that's definitely <laughs> you can do yeah there's a uh, lot of like third-party applications that connect to stuff that'll just like send out morse or decode morse oh wow um, i can't morse <clears throat> i always man I, I tell you i always wanted to as soon as i saw in the like the bii so like the extra stuff that comes with like the radio and the 150 there was a morse pad yeah yep yeah and i just imagine myself like wrecky guy <laughs> whole tack it full of gap camouflage you know covered up i'm, I'm in a sub t high side yeah. and i'm just morsing out like, like five t72s coming up yeah like never happened <laughs> but uh, that's uh, yeah definitely a cool skill set a lot of those older hams have that skill set too mm. you know where they'll and they'll eager to teach that uh, to younger guys, like the, the manual Morse. But they're they're good. I've read in books that uh, singing or so guys like intercepting Morse back in the day used to be able to tell like if somebody went on leave because the tempo of their keying would change. <laughs> so they would get to know like a person does this, and they would literally know who that person was. And wow, that dude, like went on leave. That's wild. They would know a different guy came in. Yeah, hmm. dang, pretty crazy. Well, what are some new things that Disco 3.2 has coming down the pipe? Um, and also uh, some last words of advice that you would have for the audience. Um, well, we've got a lot of products. We're always working on stuff all the time. Uh, one of like the big things that we're doing right now is making uh, a lot of like, uh, training aids. So things that will like record radio traffic or transmit uh, what your radio traffic over Bluetooth so you can like quickly AAR in the field. That's one of like my things right now. So guys will get, you know, a lot of young dudes don't ever get to see this, but like at the at higher levels, they'll play, they will play back like radio traffic and stuff and AARs mm -hmm. like at national training centers, but the boys really never get to hear that stuff. Um, and I think it would increase lethality a lot if we kind of became more, uh, at lower tactical levels, uh, confident on the radio, 
like infantry platoons became more confident that uh, you'd be more, more clear and concise instructions. And if they were held accountable, they would definitely, if they heard themselves, they would definitely improve on it. That's just how, you know, dudes are. They, they're not going to be like the worst at anything. Yeah. Um, the, uh, other stuff, uh, you know, we, we've got a bunch of projects There's something we're working on a project with Mojave repeater. Um, we're trying to get that or like the initial stages rolling the ball on that. It's going to be very, very, very cool. Um, and yeah, and I'm just waiting to be a dad. <laughs> so, uh, I'm myself. Yeah. You, you guys have a due date or. Yeah. Around the, the 20th. That's so, awesome, man. We're, uh, really looking forward to it. Blessed with, uh, you know, so far everything's healthy. We're super excited. Um, we're just ready to be like, try to be really good parents and make sure our youngins brought up like with the right values. And that's something that. I guess I get older, I like just appreciate so much more what's well, the impact that parents can mm. have. You're already going against the grain by having a family. So, uh, most people <laughs> who are listening to this podcast are probably also rebels and going against the grain of what society's telling you to do. Um, probably man, but, uh, well, cool, man. Thanks again, Josh, for joining us and, uh, educating our audience about radios. I know that's something that I was super curious about and I was very excited to get this this talk with you because it's something that I've been looking into specifically, um, kind of going back to my JTAC roots of, okay, on the citizen side, like how does that, you know, trying to get back into the radio world. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, as far as, uh, your guys' website, you guys have disco32.com and you're also on Instagram. So for those who are listening, if you want to go check out their stuff, um, go check them out on Instagram and then also can they contact you via DM or IG or what's the best way to get a hold of you the questions? Yeah, they can DM it. It'll get, uh, probably to it'll get to someone. Yeah. Uh, and then it'll get to, to whoever needs to get it. But yeah, they can DM, they can email. There's a contact us on the uh, website and try our best to answer. Um, most questions, so, some questions we, we get a lot of like t super technical questions about stuff that it's just not our equipment. So, a lot sometimes to say, hey, we just don't you know, have to contact this company or whatever, but we try our best to help guys out for sure. Nice. Well, um, like you said earlier, you can buy the best equipment and you can have the most fancy thing, but if you're not trained on it, then it really doesn't matter. So make sure you guys go out there and train, be the asset, not the liability, and make sure you can communicate. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>